Hey there, listeners. My name is Dennis Genutsos, and I'm the host of the Leadership is Changing podcast. Great to have you here with me. And I interviewed a lady by the name of Jane Hansen. I'll tell you what, I was a little bit nervous once I read her bio because she's a nine Emmy Award winner. And she is also the ex-NBC anchor and correspondent in New York. And this is the lady who went live, was one of the very first ones to go live to share about what was happening in the 9-11 attacks. And it's a really amazing conversation we had together. She's today a communications coach, so she helps people get their messages across. Now, she's interviewed presidents and uh, business leaders and global leaders, and she shares a story about a gentleman from South Africa, Desmond Tutu, and interviewing him and what happened in that interview. That was fascinating just talking to her about things. The topic of the episode is called Focus on Your Purpose. But what we did talk about was the fact that I actually asked her how did she keep herself with the composure when she was actually talking about 9-11 when it was actually happening. The next thing was that great leaders evolve every single day. That there is a significant shift in leadership as well that's happening. But the other big one that we talked about was keep your eye on the ball. So listeners, I'm going to really encourage you to listen to this. I'm actually going to ask you to share it with a whole lot of other people as well. Fantastic episode. Great interview. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another wonderful episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. Great to have you here with us today. I've got a wonderful guest with me. Her name is Jane Hansen. Jane, a massive welcome to you. Thank you so very much. It's great to be with you. Excellent. Now, I normally ask all my guests, whereabouts are you in the world today? So that's the question for you right now. Where are you in the world today? I am in Florida, where it is a little bit cloudy and rainy, and it has been for days. It's not supposed to be that way. Oh, dear. Come on, Florida. Sort yourself out. That's good. So you're on one side of the world. I'm on the other side of the world. And of course, you're talking to tomorrow, which is all good. But I can't tell you the weather forecast for tomorrow or the winning lotto numbers. Sorry, it just doesn't work that way. But anyhow, it's all good. Hey, look, great to have you here with me. I've already given the audience or our listeners, I should say, a little bit of an introduction to you. But tell us more about your background. We'd love to know more. Well, I like to call myself a reformed television broadcaster. I worked for the NBC networks in New York, mostly in New York, in the U.S., close to almost 30 years as a reporter, anchor, journalist, show host, you name it, I did everything one could imagine. And I went from that doing a lot of external speaking, doing all kinds of things, you know, out in the world that, that involved speaking to audiences of many different sorts to creating my own company where I actually teach people how to communicate. Mm. And as you know, every great leader has to communicate and communicate well. They sure do. If I wasn't nervous before, I'm now nervous when interviewing you, but it's all good. <laughs> hey, you're so right in what you're saying there that all leaders need to communicate. In fact, some of them are pretty hopeless. And so we'll get into it probably a little bit more sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Okay. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. And, and I'd love to know a little bit more. So what was it like for you 
to be in the role that you were doing, anchor, journalist, and things like that, and then to leave that kind of organization to then go into your own business? What was that whole transition like for you? Well, it's a little bit, it's difficult because it was actually a career I loved very much. But I decided because in the news business and as a journalist, news never takes a holiday. If you don't make air, if you don't make your deadlines, then you can't be good at your job. I just wanted to have a better life and a better lifestyle. And so I got it. But remember that for much of my adult life, I watched history being made before my eyes. And to not be in the center of all of that was a very difficult adjustment. And to this day, when I watch something on television or in social media or on my laptop or wherever I am, whenever I see an interview or I read it or I hear it, of course, I'm always thinking, well, why didn't they ask this question? And why did they go down that road? And even more importantly, if we take it to that leadership level, it's why did the person being interviewed answer that way? Why didn't they take it in a different direction? Because they just lost an opportunity. And an opportunity is like a bird in the hand, right? I mean, it's just a beautiful thing that you could actually capitalize on in the sense of taking that opportunity. And you're so right. And I mean, I don't have the experience that you have, but I can see it actually happening. And I go like, oh, damn, what a great opportunity, but it is lost. Do you miss being out there, as you're saying, seeing history actually being made? Do you miss not being part of it? Sometimes I do, particularly in very in very interesting moments when there's some unique, wonderful celebration of something or when there's a momentous occasion or when there's an opportunity to actually interview somebody with incredible, there's somebody that you admire and that you think of. But what I don't miss are broadcasting the tragedies, broadcasting those moments where you don't know what's going to happen next. Example, I was the first person on the air for the NBC networks on the morning of 9-11. And that was a day that was tremendously hard because of course it happened in our backyard in New York City. And we had no idea what was coming next. There was nobody to get information from. I was basically vamping on the air for hours and hours. And in those moments, you know what your job is. It's to be the messenger, to help people stay safe, to do all of that. But in the same time, you're thinking, where's my family? Where are my mm. friends? Those are difficult times. And yeah. that part, I don't miss. Right, right. Because I was going to ask you a question here based on what you just shared there in the sense that when you're in there and you're in the midst of all that, there's chaos happening, there's so much happening. How do you keep composure? Because you're actually there and people are watching you and people in the world are wanting the news, but they're also wanting someone there that's the rock, the person that's actually right. given. Yeah. So how do you do that? Because it could probably get very quite emotional, I suppose. So, so how do you hold your composure? You simply have to. You have to allow, it's almost as, I don't want to call it an out-of-body experience, but something kicks in that says, mm. and this is important, by the way, for leaders and everybody to think about, is your purpose has to be magnified in your head. It literally has to be all about my purpose in this moment in time is to give information to the world that's watching me so that they can be safe, so that they can know what they need to do, so that they 
can live so that they know that they can count on me. And so my purpose is front and center. And once you do that, it takes away everything else. Amazing. Amazing. That is so cool to hear and so strong, listeners, because the fact of that is we could be in the midst of something, but it's about actually having control, understanding where you're going. But I love what you just said. Your purpose has to be magnified in your head. You have to know why you're there, what you're doing, and what your role is. That is so strong. That is very cool. Yeah, 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 very good. Yeah, excellent. And so you also got to, I, I see that you've also interviewed presidents and business leaders and things like that. Oh, sure. I've had, I mean, there have been some magnificent moments. And one of the takeaways for me in, be, you know, in starting a communications coaching business was to take what I learned from those people. How did they communicate? And I've taken snippets from every single one of them, what they do right and what they do wrong. Mm. And that's helped me learn how to teach people. I mean, I have interviewed in my lifetime. I know you've done, what did you say, about 540 plus podcasts? So I've interviewed hundreds of thousands of people and some of them in much more probably significant roles than others. But each one of them taught me something, good or bad, they taught me something. And that's what I use every day of my life now. And that's good. And I think what you're doing is that, as you said before, that you missed the, the part of making the history, but being out there. But also I think now what your role is, is that you've become that person whereby you're the enabler. You're empowering people by teaching them what you've learned from others and yourself in the past. Exactly. And it's also a lot of fun. And I'm learning a lot because I work with people from every imaginable industry. And so... Every single day, I learn something new. And some of it's confidential because obviously you have to sign a lot of NDAs, non-disclosure agreements to make sure that I can do the work appropriately and help guide people to be their best and have really clear, succinct messages. But I learned so much. I'm like a jack of all trades because of the information that I've learned. Yeah. Jen, you know, the other thing is, is that there are a lot of things that are confidential. And I think there is a lot of things that leaders hear or are part of, but sometimes there is loose lips and loose yes. lips sink ships. The importance of actually making sure that you keep quiet, because I think that's part of your brand. If you're the person that somebody can say something to you and it's trusted with you and you're a vault, I think it's part of the brand. The importance of leaders doing this and developing that skill. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. So loose lips sink ships. And in today's world, with all of the social media that we have, with so-called civilian journalists who report and record anything, it's really difficult to keep things quiet. I do some crisis communications for people. And frequently, the reason there's a crisis is because some piece of information has come out before either they were prepared for it to come out or it might have been something that somebody was trying to keep hidden. Now, I think there's a responsibility to tell the truth and to make sure that if there's information that people need to have, we give it to them, no matter what the cost might be to us. But on the other hand, we have a responsibility to make sure that if we're in the process of maybe building something, creating something, doing something that needs a lot of security, we have to be certain that we keep that information to ourselves because otherwise it could do great harm. Mm. 
Mm. Yep. And I think that sort of sums up leadership in a sort of a few words, but I think leadership is about responsibility and obligation. Mm -hmm. We have okay. a responsibility and we need to be obligated. We have an obligation to make sure we are responsible in what we say and what we do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the other, which leads me to one of the great things I love to talk about, which is our body language, because body language is so significant. We've walked on earth for millions of years, but we've only had a spoken word for about 160,000. So we communicated strictly through our bodies for oh so long, and we still do it. We just don't really realize it. It's, it, it takes about two-tenths of a second for someone to make a judgment about you when you walk into a room or whatever you're doing. And most of the time, you haven't even opened your mouth yet. So they're judging you by the way you look, by the way you carry yourself, your posture, all those sorts of things. And then on, you know, whatever other kind of medium you're using, when you and I are talking here, you're making judgments based upon my voice, as is your audience right now. So, and if I were to sit here and talk like this, nobody would be listening yeah wake up listeners it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> you're so right so in other words what we're hearing here is the fact that it doesn't matter whether you're saying anything or not you are already communicating and so mm -hmm. be, we need to be a little bit aware of that and it's also about how we receiving that communication too so in other words how we're interpreting people's body language sometimes we can interpret it incorrectly so Absolutely. we think because yep. yep. a lot of that's based on our biases and, and other experiences we've had in the past too so we need to be a little bit smart about that we do, indeed. The problem is that that two-tenths of a second thing I talked about, that's like the first impression. Yep. And it's really hard to overcome a first impression. So, One must be very, you have to be very conscious of it. But you also need to think about giving people a chance. And there are many, many ways that we can, I guess, at the beginning of the start of all of this, is you use the word respect. I like to use the word trust. Because nobody's going to respect you until they trust you. And nobody's going to trust you if they're looking at the way that you're acting, if your body language is out of sync with what you're saying. So that's the other thing we need to be conscious of. So it's really, truly important that we be, you know, that word authentic. I'm kind of bored with it because everybody uses it all the time. But the truth is, it's a great word to describe how we need to be. We have to be authentic. Mm. Mm. Uh, the other word I use is real. You've got to be real. Yeah, You've got to be real. Got to be real. Got to yep. be real. Yeah. Now, how did you, Jane, get into leadership? Again, because of when you're in television every day and you have millions of people watching you, you are already an inborn leader. People think that you know more about a subject than they do. So therefore, they think your opinion might matter more. So therefore, in that respect, you're considered to be a leader. People will think that you can be, you're a leader in the way that I do a lot of work in the community. I served on many boards. I helped lead in that way. I just, I think leadership can be interpreted in so many ways. But to me, leadership is about taking a role of responsibility where you help guide other people into a certain kind of behavior or to follow in certain footsteps. Mm. Nice way of saying it. Saying it's really good. Yeah. Now here's a fun question, and this person could be alive or from history. If you were to select your favorite leader, who would your favorite leader be? That 
You know, I know you kind of told me ahead of time, this is going to be a question. I struggle with this so much. So I'm going to give you a few. I use a lot of Winston Churchill speeches in my coaching because I happen to believe that Winston had an ability to really get people engaged, and especially during World War II, to get them so that they had faith and hope and belief. I am very respectful of Aristotle, who is considered to be the father of communication. And the things that he said about the way that we communicate are the same today, 2,400 years later. And do you know, back in ancient Athens, every man, of course, they didn't let women do this, but every man had to speak. They had to speak, you know, at the Parthenon or wherever it was they spoke. Mm -hmm. And so I respect Aristotle as a leader. There are a lot of current leaders that I respect. I think about women a lot because, you know, there was a woman named Indra Nui who was the chairman of the board of PepsiCo, the PepsiCola company and everything else they own. And I interviewed her recently. And she had so many great things to say about being a leader that I really respect what she has done in her lifetime. So, I mean, there's just, there's so many. Mm. And I think you take each one of them. And I'll tell you, perhaps the most respectful interview I ever did was with a South African anti-apartheid leader named Desmond Tutu. And Desmond Tutu, I was interviewing him in Lower Manhattan, and it was several years ago, but he was in New York to speak at the United Nations. And as I'm conducting the interview, they, his people that were with him stopped it and they pulled him aside. And, you know, I protested saying, I'm almost done. I'm just something Spanish. You know, I was being a little smarty pants kind of, you know, young journalist. And they said, no, 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 you want us to stop him. And so they, he came back and sat down and he had tears running down his face. And he had just been told he'd won the Nobel Peace Prize. Now, in that moment, so I, you know, I said to him, how do you feel? And he said, this isn't about me. This is about the people that I have worked with and that I've worked so hard for to be able to find freedom, to be able to given the same choices in life that others have, to be able to give them hope, to be able to give them opportunity. And so in that moment, I mean, I'm crying with them. So that was pretty cool. So that's leadership, right? I mean, just there with the way mm -hmm. he reacted, the way he's not taking it for himself. He's thinking about the others and people like that, which is great. And I think the other thing too is that you shared, when you said there was many, and you think about what you said earlier on in this episode is that you said it's about the sum of, of many things, right? So you've learned mm -hmm. a lot of things from many people. And it's about the same as leaders, favorite leaders, learning so much from different people. And that's all great. It's what you do with it that counts. It's how you take it and moving it forward. Absolutely. Because I believe that great leaders evolve every single day. I believe that they learn from others. And I believe they're great listeners, which is one aspect of leadership that we really need to have. So, you know, people say to me, aren't great leaders born? I'm like, are you kidding? No, of course not. Because great leaders, there's so many things that lead to them being great leaders. Circumstances, overcoming obstacles, being pushed into something when they weren't expecting to be there. There's so many opportunities for people to become leaders. 
And I think if you take a look at the history books of, of who we've seen that have been wonderful leaders over the years, it is because in those moments where they needed to show up and lead, they could do it. Very good. Very good. There's not a school for it. There really no. isn't. No. Jane, if you were to be sitting on a park bench today with Winston Churchill and you two are having a coffee there, would there be one question you would love to ask him? I think I would say to him, how did you have in the midst of the horror of the bombings and what was happening, how did you have the ability to actually, to actually persevere, to actually bring some hope, to actually get people to believe that they were going to be all right and that they were going to win? He probably would answer it just like I answered that question about I focused on my purpose, but maybe not. I'm sitting here thinking I would love to have actually seen that conversation. I think, yeah. I think you're right. I mean, you, you probably would have said talking about the purpose and focusing on it very, very strong. Jane, the show here is called Leadership is Changing. When you think about that title or that statement, what, what does it mean for you? I believe that leadership, I mean, I just said that I think it's evolving all the time. So I, I constantly do believe it's changing. What I've seen, particularly because of the pandemic, is that a lot of people, they had to relearn what was important because suddenly the world is shut down. All these people who are leading companies or leading organizations or whatever they're doing, they have to figure out, what do I do? Kind of like Winston with the bombs, right? What do I do in this moment when we don't know if we're going to get sick? We don't know if we're ever going to go back to work. We don't know if this plague is going to kill everybody. We have no idea what's happening. And somehow I've got to talk to these people who work for me and get them into a place where they at least can get up in the morning. And how do I do that? And how do I do that? And how do I keep a company limber and mobile and and going at the same time, I've got this tremendous fear and worry right here knocking on my shoulder. And so I think that changed a lot. I had people who came to me and said, I need to learn how to be more vulnerable because vulnerability is another huge part of leadership. And there's no place like being vulnerable in the middle of a plague. So how do I let that vulnerability show? How do I tell the people I'm leading that I'm as frightened as they are, because, and I don't have all the answers, but do it in a way that still leads them to trust me because trust was never more crucial than in those moments. So I think that was a big, significant change in leadership. I think we've become more, I think we expect our leaders to be more adaptable and more flexible. I think we expect them to be more comfortable in telling us things. And by the way, if you talk to a lot of millennials and Gen Zers, they don't stick around long at a job if they don't feel that they're being led in the right way. They're out of there. So they expect, they expect a leader to be smart. They expect them to be on top of things. They expect them to be likable. They expect them to listen. They expect them to be responsible. And they expect them to help them grow. And if they don't do it, they're gone. Yep. And, and you've actually just also answered another question I had, which was employees' expectations or leaders today has it changed. So you've answered that beautifully as well. Because 
the pandemic was massive and it was whereby a lot of things were changing on the fly. That unknown, that the thing is, we didn't know, as you said, what was going to happen. We're going to work again. Control was taken away from people. They had no control because they didn't know what to do. It was really, really quite interesting. The word that you used a few times was trust. And mm -hmm. what I saw was those leaders who had built trust with those organizations that had very good trust as foundation within their organizations were the ones that were able to adapt quickly. They right. were the ones that were able to move forward and take people with them, which was important. I had these two different leaders say to me that I was coaching. One said, oh, well, I'll just wait for it to blow over. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you would have been waiting a long, long time. But, and I said, no, you won't because your people need you now more than ever. This is where they need you to be the rock. This is where they need some direction from you, even though you don't know. So that was one. Met with him two weeks later. He goes, good conversation. That was really what I needed. And the second one said to me, I've just been watching a whole lot of different, I'm, I'm going to sort of swear here a little bit for you, CNN, NBC, whole lot of different TV sort of channels in New Zealand, the same thing. And it's just all doom and gloom. And he goes, I don't know what to do. And I went, I know. He goes, what? Stop watching TV and get out there and start <laughs> doing what you need to do with your people. Okay. Mm. So I think that word trust is really good. And being vulnerable, very, very strong words, all of them. Absolutely. Okay. So the next question I've got for you is, because we are living in a world whereby it's just getting faster. It seems to get faster. <laughs> Business, data, technology. You know, you, you might order a product, uh, a technology product, and it arrives. It's already out of date because it's already mm -hmm. moving forward. So how does a leader survive, do well, or thrive in that fast-paced, ever-changing world? Well, A, you have, to really, you have to really keep your eye on the ball. But I also think that there needs to be some reflection. And what I mean by that is you can't just hop on board every train that comes through because you don't know for sure that it's actually going to work. I mean, we talk, we've had all these conversations about AI and it's going to replace people and all that sort of stuff. So everybody's wondering, well, well, what do we do? What do we do about that? How does that work? And so while there's some of AI leaders need to incorporate into their work, they don't need to incorporate all of it. So I think in this world that we live in, we have to always be on top of things and always pay attention and we sometimes have to move fast, but we don't want to move so fast that we make mistakes. Mm. And I think you can make mistakes quickly if you jump onto every new trend and every new thing that's happening. So it's being alert. It's really making sure your head isn't in the sand on anything. But you also have to have a good team around you that can give you advice because you can't be everywhere and you can't see everything and you can't hear everything as a leader. Which leads me back to something I mentioned briefly, which is this notion of active listening, which is crucial for a leader. You need to listen to the people surrounding you. And if you don't understand something, you need to find somebody who can explain it to you because you have to listen. It doesn't mean you have to do what somebody's telling you to do. But you have to take everything into consideration. Now, another sign of a great leader is to build community. And you build community by doing what I'm suggesting, which is the listening and by having empathy and by putting yourself in other people's shoes and understanding other perspectives and being open to other perspectives. So that listening part is a crucial element to 
the speed of today's world. No, I love it. I love what you're sharing there because the thing is, is it's listening to what people are saying, but also I think it's about, you see it, having some people around you to a good team so they can give you advice because mm-hmm. you can't see everything or hear everything. But I think listening is one active listening, but it's interpreting what people are saying and going, okay, so then what does this mean for us or the organization and so forth? It's really important. Active listening. Mm-hmm. We talk about communicating, right? Or communication. Right. That's part of it, right? That's part of the equation. Absolutely. Listening is as important as talking. You have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And we're so busy sometimes, and I know you see this in your interviewing, we're so busy figuring out, well, next I want to ask them this. Or the interviewee is is so busy saying, now, I really want to make sure I get this point across that they might not be listening to actually what you're saying. And then that leads to a, a conversation that's kind of on two different levels. So the listening part is really focusing on what the other person or other people are saying, letting it come into your head before you respond and not being quick to jump in and say, well, wait a minute, what about blah, 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 blah. And then sometimes it's even reframing it. What I believe I just heard you say is making sure you heard it right. It's also a great technique when somebody's interviewing you, by the way, because because you know it, you know, sometimes you ask a question and, and maybe they're not, they're going to say something they might not want to say. So instead of saying what you don't want to say, you say, I think I heard you ask me blah, 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 blah. And I reframe it in the way I want to frame it yep. and hope I'm right. Mm, that's good. Really good. And building communities is huge. I think it's something that a lot of leaders needing to do, but I think there's a lot of people out there who are wanting it. There's this hunger for community being part of a community. And we saw that within the pandemic, that people wanted to be around each other. And I think it was one big realization that we need to be a community. We need to help each other. We need to collaborate together to be leaders who want to move forward, which is very important. Very. And your community isn't just the people that you work with. Hmm. Your community is other leaders. Your community is other, you know, maybe friends who might be in completely different occupations. Your community is those that you spend time with on sports. It's your family. It's your community is a wide variety of individuals that each help you become more well-rounded because I believe a good leader also has to be well-rounded. They have to have a lot of experiences because experiences help us grow Mm. and learn. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. They do. Question I've got, and you've mentioned it early on as we're coming towards the end here now, is you talked about communication. Is there, based on what we've already shared today that you've shared, is there anything else you think that leaders need to be mindful about to be not just a good communicator, but a great communicator? They should absolutely watch how they use their gestures. Make sure that those gestures are in sync with their words and help embellish, help with understanding. They should be careful about the words that they choose to use to be sure they're not misinterpreted, especially because we're so global. Mm-hmm. You say things in New Zealand that we don't necessarily say in the U.S. and vice versa. And if you use one of those phrases on me right now, it'd go, huh? So, so, so know who you're talking to. I find this so interesting that so many times leaders don't really, they have one message. 
And instead of customizing it for every audience, they just say it the same way. Well, a four-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 60-year-old, a woman or a man, or maybe some other nationality is not going to hear it the same way. So make sure you adjust your message for the audience that you're speaking to and find out who that audience is. In other words, do your homework, leaders, and understand <laughs> it just, because I think you're right, it, too many of them try and shoot from the hip is the way I call it, and they just, they swing it. No, mm -hmm. it takes preparation. It takes preparation and understanding what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. It takes preparation on knowing the audience and, and what, how to get across. And then the third thing would be, is practice, practice, practice before you go in there rather than practicing on the spot when it's live because right. it's too late. It's and, too late. Yeah. I always love to use the example of comedians because everybody thinks comedians go on stage and they come up with this joke and it's all impromptu and they just made it up and they make it sound like, isn't that great? He just did that joke just for us. But the truth is that comedian has gone to small little groups of people and then maybe a small little club and practice it 500 times before it's ever set on a stage in front of a big audience. And yet they manage to make it sound like it's fresh and new and full of energy and excitement and made just for you. So think like a comedian. And I don't mean tell bad jokes. No, no, no. I get it. And the skill, the art of what a comedian does is, is brilliant. Now, if I was to get you to get your crystal ball out here and this last question I've got for you, where do you see leadership being in five years? Well, my hope would be that people would have great communication skills, that we could be a place where we actually listen to each other, because I think the world needs a lot of listening right now, that we would put aside our own biases and prejudices to be able to lead truly effectively that we'd be completely inclusive. A lot of this stuff is in the works. Where it's going to go, I don't know. There seems to be so much divisiveness now. And I think divisiveness gets cured with great understanding and really good leadership. Excellent. Well, Jane, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today as a guest. If there are listeners that wanted to get hold of you, where, where should they go? They can go to Iba website. It's Jane Hanson, H-A-N-S-O-N dot com. And I'm also on LinkedIn under the same name. I've got, you know, all the other social media platforms. They can find me pretty easily. I'm out Ex there. Excellent. Well done. We'll put those in the show notes. And so listeners, check out those if you wanted to get a hold of Jane. But Jane, once again, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. So listeners, there you go. So you, what we're needing to do is focus on your purpose. Great leaders evolve every single day. And remember that you really need to keep your eye on the ball. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's episode. It's always a pleasure. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 